up. And what's, what I don't like is that I'm, maybe I'm preaching a little bit more elevated today because I'm in this pulpit. But this certainly is not a preach down to you kind of text. I mean that because I'm right in the middle of this. I am, I am seeking and, and searching and understanding what this means for my life right now. And I've had to wrestle with this passage this week. And so as I read through these verses in Luke 12, 32 uh, through 34, I noticed a word that is missing. And before I even get to that, a word that may change uh, the perspective of the passage a little bit and makes it instantly appliable. Before we do that, we need to have our hearts open so that we can receive the word of God. So let's pray. Lord, we need you. We need your word more than we need man's opinion. We need the power and the presence of God more than we need a pat on the back that tells us we're doing just fine. God, as the, as, as, as the church of Jesus Christ in this world today, we cannot be afraid to wrestle with the tough passages in Scripture and ask, how must I respond to this? So today, everyone in this room, may our hearts be open to hear what your Spirit is saying. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Look at the person next to you and say, this text is talking to you. Come on. Now, I'm taking a second shot, you know, and there's some things you don't get a second shot at, and, you know, skydiving is one of them. If, if, if you fail at skydiving, it's just not going to be your thing. <laughs> Uh, but we're going to take a second shot at, at, this, at this text. And today I'm going to focus primarily on application. Um, I, I, I pulled out a lot of the different words in this passage last week. And if you, uh, if the sermons are out there. If you haven't noticed that yet, we have a podcast now. And we have our sermons are always on our lo- online. So you can hear last week's if you want. So this week is a bit of a part two of this passage. And I'm going to focus simply on application. And as I read through this... I noticed that there is a word missing when it says, sell your possessions and give to the poor. Now, I'm going to go to Matthew 19, and this word was missing in Matthew 19 as well. Matthew 19, verses 16 through 22 is where Jesus talks to a rich young ruler, and the rich young ruler wants to know what he has to do to inherit eternal life. Jesus tells him, You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother and love your neighbor as yourself. The man says in verse 20, all these I have kept, the young man said, what do I still lack? In verse 21 it says, Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. Notice the words missing there too. And then then another one, Acts 2, verses 44 through 45. Similar concept. We see Acts 2, 44 through 45. We see the first church and what they begin to do together. 
There's many descriptions of the first church, and what it says in this text is that all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. The word that's missing is the word all. The text never did say, go sell everything. It says, go sell your possessions, but then it doesn't say, give everything you have away. There's still something in here about self-sustainment, about being able still to provide for yourself. So in all of these texts, the word all is missing. I even talked to a couple pastors about this. I looked through the Greek manuscripts and all the different versions. It never says, go, after you, it says start selling your possessions, but then it does not say give all that you have. It says give. So the emphasis in this passage is that they started selling stuff. They started sharing. The pursuit of the individual ended and the pursuit of the kingdom of God began. What we witness in this passage in Acts is that when they came, when when men and women of God came in contact with the Almighty God, they realized, as the title of our message is, that they have something to give. I have some stuff that others are going to need. And God encounters can and should cause us to recognize our infirmities and our weaknesses. And these believers had those encounters and they realized the grace that they had been given by God so that when they saw others in need, they couldn't help but give what they had received. Stop selling or stop buying, stop pursuing and start giving. This is the crux of this passage. And yes, man of God, yes, woman of God, you can apply this text to your life. It will be hard. It will be challenging. But this isn't just one, like I said, just a little pat on the back. Go give that your best shot. This is revolutionary. This is the kind of passage that we must wrestle with and see this is what it means to be the people of God Today, So I'm going to give you uh, just four points of a basic application from this passage. So there's no question on, on what do we do with this text when it says, do, uh, go sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that will never fail for where, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So four things, four applications that we're going to pull out today and how we can apply this text to our life. The first one. Sell material ownership to buy spiritual power. Sell spiritual or sell material ownership to buy spiritual power. There's a passage in Revelation chapter 3. I read this, I read this at World Day of Prayer the other day. In Revelation chapter 3, verse 17, is spoken to the church in Laodicea. Laodicea is rebuked for being lukewarm. Whether you know this or not, I was looking up some statistics online The church is still growing in America, but just barely. 
and, and the barely is so barely that they think that some, some different ethnicities who are coming already church from other countries may, be, may really mess up the stats so we could pretty safely say that the church in America has plateaued. But we often don't feel that way. We've got everything that we need. We're often pretty comfortable and, and we still have a place that we can go to and we don't feel the pressures of, of the, the decline of the church because we've got it pretty good here. I, uh, there is a passage in Scripture in Revelation chapter 3 to the church in Laodicea. He rebukes this church for being lukewarm, and then he begins to say some things to them in verse 17. He says, You say, I am rich, I have acquired wealth, and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. People used to come from all over the world to Laodicea to get this special eye salve that used to bring healing to their eyes. So there was this tangible thing that they had that nobody else did and, and the Jesus is speaking prophetically to them through the prophet John. That there's this, you think this stuff is what you're all about? You, you're, you're so blind, you can't even see spiritually that you are dead. I wish these passages weren't in Scripture, but, then, but these things are, are speaking directly to us, church. And so there's this buying in these passages that, that Jesus is calling the church in Laodicea too. That you need to buy gold for me. You need to get salve for me. We need to get eternal spiritual power. But to do that, we're going to have to let go of some of our own material ownership. Does it, does it mean we actually are going to have to start selling stuff? Well, that's what the text says, so I'm not going to say that it doesn't. But it's the ability to own and possess and say, this is mine and I've worked hard for it and nobody's going to take it away from me is a big part of this problem. Because with that ownership comes a lot of other ideas that we need to sell. And so here's a few of those things. We need to sell entitlement and we need to buy serving. Let me say that again. We need to sell entitlement and buy serving. What about this one? We need to sell receiving love and respect. Because every girl wants to be loved and every guy wants to be respected. And we want to walk into a room and immediately receive that love and respect. The truth is you're going to want that all your life and no one person. If you put that pressure on your spouse, if you put that pressure on your pastor, if you put that pressure on your church, they will never fulfill it. Your true identity is found in a God that died for you, that loves you, that is available for you today. And your identity must always be found in him first. So we have to sell receiving love and respect, but by giving love and respect. To every moment we have an opportunity to affirm someone, to love someone, to empower someone. Another, we need to sell comparisons and buy ministry. Stop comparing ourselves to everybody else. One day I'm going to have a yard that looks like theirs. One day I'm going to have a house that looks like yours. One day I'm going to have a boat that looks like theirs. Uh, There's so many different. One day I'm going to have a wife that looks like theirs. That's not a good comparison to make. 
So we always, always making these horrible comparisons and consumed with comparisons, but rather let's start buying, realizing what we have and the opportunity we have been given with the stuff that we have to minister. We'll talk about that more in a minute, but the next one is we need to sell moat religion and buy real relationships. We need to sell moat religion and buy real relationship. Moat just means a speck, minimal religion, and buy real relationship. Let me give you a specific example that doesn't have that much to do with today's message, but I realize I usually, I usually get this spiel at least once a year, and I don't know that I've done it for a while. I've been here for six years now, and I'll, so I'll tell you that we've had some discussions, and there's a lot of things that we do with our prayer chain and our prayer requests that personally your pastor's not that comfortable with. I'm really happy that we do it. There's a lot, good, lot of good that comes out of it um, because we, people love to know that other people are praying for them. And we want to be a church that does that. But let me be frank with you and let me be honest with you. The part that, 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 that I don't like is that we can create a culture that we can turn in a prayer request for someone as a Christ follower, and feel like we've done something. Let me, let me make it clear to you. You've done something, man or woman of God. If you've been in this church, if you have a real relationship with a Savior and you're not just pursuing minimal religion, when there's a burden that you have and you get down on your knees and cry out to the living God and begin to, and begin to intercede on behalf of someone else and believe God for their healing, believe God for their breakthrough because we have a God that lives and I don't need somebody else to go to prayer for me. I love having others, but I'm going to hit my knees and I'm going to believe God first. If we're going to have a prayer chain and we're going to have a prayer request, then let's be a people that prays. Let's don't let just this be information that gets out there that's just shared without people that are, that are petitioning the Lord for these requests. And so I, I want to ask, and I do usually do this every year, before you submit a petition, take a step back, be a man or a woman of God, and cry out to him on behalf of that person. Sometimes these, these things are for you, and I love those. When, when it's a prayer request for you or somebody real close in your family, I understand you're burdened, you're, you're, you're broken. We want to be there for you. When we, we've got, you know, our cousin's neighbor next door that we're going to put up, that's fine. We want to believe God for them too. But how about you begin and you set the mold and you pray for them. And so you, you guys know you can always turn these into Rod. You can you turn the prayer requests into Rod. But if you, if you call me or shoot me a text, I want to pray with you right there and then. And let's actually pray together first as we, as we, as we send this off for others. And see, there is a difference between minimal religion or real relationship. Oh, you need someone to pray? I know Jesus. I was just talking to him this morning. I plan to talk to him again this afternoon. And actually, I was just communicating him a few moments ago. And I'm going to spend time with the Lord tonight. I'm going to take that request to the living God for you on your behalf. Let's be a church that prays that intercedes, that is burdened for the things of God and don't settle for the minimal act of religion. So you can't look at this text, sell your possessions and give to the poor. Stop pursuing and start giving and think that minimal religion is going to work and somehow we're automatically going to fulfill that. 
See, here's the next one. The next one says, the next application from this text. A little bit more is not your salvation. It's your bondage. A little bit more is not your salvation. It's your bondage. I'm right with you, with everyone in this room. My wife and I were saying it this week. If only we just had just a little bit more. Just a little bit more and we would be fine. Just a little bit more and that would cover this. Just a little bit more and that would cover that. So we'd have a little room to breathe. We could do this. We could do this. I spent a lot of time on this last week. You understand that that's never going to end. A little bit more will never end. It'll be there next week. It'll be there next month. And you'll still find yourself saying just a little bit more. The truth is, it is your bondage. It's not your salvation. The Lord, the scripture says that the Lord is ready to give you the kingdom today. We have a loving father that cries out to us in 12, 32 through, in, in, in 12 verse 32, that I am pleased, your father is pleased to give you the kingdom today. But with our pursuit, not now, just, I just need just a little bit more. It's as if we're saying, I don't really have time for you right now. I don't really have room for you right now. And, and I don't even know that I need you right now. What I really need is just a little bit more stuff. What I really need is just a little bit more time. What I really need is just a little bit more energy. Church, we got to understand, we think that we can live the way that everyone else in our culture does, be consumed with the things that everyone else is, and think that because we go to church on Sunday and say a prayer from time to time, we will fulfill the will of God in our life. I can't be a preacher and tell you that that is wrong. Being a Christ follower will require you to die so that he can live through you. It'll require you to change radically and not be done. Not sit here on a Sunday morning and say, I haven't grown in 15 years and it's okay because I'm good. Because a loving God requires more and is asking for more of you. And it's not, it's not so that you can continue to sacrifice, so that you can experience his power. You can experience his kingdom. He says, I want to give you the kingdom. Come on. Imagine a loving God reaching out his arms to his people. But all he often finds is, is this. I, I don't have any more room. I got this stuff I have to take care of. And if I just had, I'll get this taken care of soon. And and then I'll, I'll live for you, whatever it is you want me to do. But if it's okay for now, I'm just going to show up on Sunday. This is the church in America. This is many of us all across the world. And I'm not picking on you today, church. I'm realizing that this is what I wrestle with in my own life. He wants your heart. He wants all of you. But just a little bit more is what we're consumed by. And I want you to realize that's your bondage, not your salvation. So what's the next application? Giving is a lifestyle, not just a few random acts of kindness. 
Giving is not just what you give in the offering or the heifer project. It's the words that you use to build or destroy. It's what you do with your time. It's all the many ways that you learn how to share like they did in the book of Acts. And I feel as a church, maybe sometimes we don't provide enough opportunities for you to give. And and that's something as well we're working on. I told you a few moments ago about uh, the bistro. We're going to provide an opportunity for you to, to serve at the bistro at the end of uh, March. I'm also basically announcing that, that I'm going to be going on a uh, Brother and Disaster Ministries trip um, May 26th through June 1st. Uh, these trips, this is an opportunity where we be the Church of Jesus Christ. We go work on, uh, we go rehab houses in North Carolina that have been damaged in Lumberton, North Carolina, that have been damaged from the, the recent floods. And this is just an opportunity where you can go and use what you've been given and, and help. And guess what? It's really expensive. You know how much it costs? Absolutely nothing. Transportation's covered. Lodging's covered. Your meals are covered. Everything is covered. It's just you being able to give a week and go. And so I'm throwing out there that now uh, we, we, we need a few more people that would be interested. There'll be other trips too. But I want to start opening up the door to those opportunities. I'm going to go, and if it's something right now you're sitting there and the Lord is stirring in your heart and you think that's something that you may want to do, I would love to have you join me on that week. For me, someone like me, I don't really know. I still know a lot. I still got to learn about doing stuff around the house. So we're going to go and rehab houses for a whole week. So I'm going to learn a lot. Okay, So selfishly, there's where my greediness comes in. But I get to go and I get to serve uh, and give of, of, of my time and, and energy. And so if that's something the Lord is leading you. Now, as a church, there's a lot of other things we do is we donate a meal to the HIP Foundation. We give a, a free meal here once a week. We adopt a family. We do school supplies donations. We give to our local food pantry. We donate to Jacob's Ladder. There's lots of things that we do. And if, if, if you want to begin taking, the key here is that we begin taking steps, intentional steps in our life to give. We have to stop consuming and being consumed with consuming and start giving. The last one. Material treasures on earth will bring you much anxiety and they will ultimately be consumed or destroyed. I used to have a pastor that would always say that. He's like, I don't know what you're chasing after all this stuff for anyway. It's all going to burn someday anyway. And that's the truth. You know, one day this, this whole heaven and earth, there's going to be a new heaven and earth and all this stuff we've been, we've been trying to, to, to pursue is going to be gone. And it's all going to be meaningless, as Ecclesiastes say, a chasing after the wind. But eternal treasures on earth will bring you much joy when you share them. And when you share them, they will be replenished. I shared briefly last week how I've seen this last verse, or excuse me, um, Verse 33, where it says you store for yourselves treasures in heaven. I've seen that verse used in in manipulative ways that I didn't like, that people would say you need to give more to the church. Give more money to the church and you'll be storing up money in heaven so that when you you give money here, that treasure will be there for you when you get there. And I'm sorry, it just doesn't really work that way. That's not the way Scripture is written. Scripture is written about the kingdom of God being given to you now. About, about bringing heaven and bringing the kingdom of God to earth now and what we're called to do now. 
And what's beautiful about the treasure, that this eternal treasure, is that it is available now. It is something that you can possess right here on this earth that you can distribute from, that you can give, that, that, you, that you have something to give now. And when you give, you experience joy, and your joy keeps being replenished. It keeps getting thrown back in there, this treasure that you've always had. I kind of bear it that uh, that text there kind of comes from the parable of the talents uh, where, where you heard about the guy who there many guys were given different bags of gold. One was given five bags. One was given three bags. The other was given one. The man with five went out and got five more. The guy with three went out and got three more. The guy with one, you know what he did with his one? He went and buried it in the ground because he knew that his master was a shrewd man and wouldn't want him to lose his money. The master came back and called that man a wicked servant because he didn't do anything with what he had been given and he, and he kept it all to himself. I often share that there's a lot of things in this world that have not been fulfilled because somewhere the church of Jesus Christ buried something. There's things in our county, there's a drug addiction in our county that is running rampart because somewhere the people of God have buried something have gifts and abilities and capacities that we're choosing not to use and choosing not to help. And that's never just money. That that could be resources. That could be a simple conversation. That could be a burden to get on our knees and pray and release the bondages and strongholds of this addiction in our county. We got together in our place groups a few weeks ago. That was the burden that came up for most of us, that there was a, a burden for the drug addiction in our county. And maybe as the church of, the Jesus, of Jesus Christ, we can begin pursuing the living God and asking him to help us use what we have been given to make an impact in his kingdom for such a time as this. Uh, I'll go quickly to Malachi 3.10 there, uh, Nick. I kind of already shared that. This, so, so this talks about tithing, but I want you to understand it's so, mu- so much more than tithing. He says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Again, uh, I, that is a, uh, it is a heresy when we start teaching that when we give, God's going to give us more money. It is biblical to teach that when we give, we get blessed and something begins to happen to us because we have been, we're giving of this treasure that keeps getting refilled that we, that we have something that we can give and God keeps giving it back to us. We keep recognizing our weaknesses. We keep getting more and more grace as we keep distributing more and more grace. And finally, a last passage in conclusion in Matthew 6, 22 through 24. It says, The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. See, the title of this message was, You Have Something to give. Now, in a moment like this, you could be reminded of what you can't give 
because then you won't possess it anymore. I would love to give this, but I have this. I would love to give this, but I have. And this is the exact point of this text. He says either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. We fear we won't have the time, we won't have the energy, we won't have the money. So here is what Jesus is saying in Luke 12, 32 through 34. It's not your stuff. Let go of ownership today. Realize that it's mine and it has been given to you to do my purposes here on this earth. And all of the sudden, things will begin to make a lot more sense. We begin to become consumed with the will of God and not with our own personal agenda. Now, I know that sounds incredibly simplistic. We, but we are the church, of, but incredibly, but nearly impossible. We are the church of Jesus Christ. See, we don't just listen to a passage like this and say that I'm good. Because many of us know that we have a lot of work to do. Many of us know that we sit here today and we're really in that, I just need just a little bit more category. Just a little bit more energy. A little bit more time. Once I get feeling better, then, you know, once we get this home renovation project done, then. Once my kids aren't so busy. Once my schedule get. The living God is saying to you, your father is saying to you, I want to give you the kingdom. I want to show you who I am. I want to show you what you're created for, but you won't let me. Can today be a day where we begin to free our hands? So you know what? It's not mine anymore. It's yours. Lord, your Lord, whatever you want, I'm in. Let's pray. I'm not going to have a time to come forward today, but I do want to have a time to give some of you a chance to respond. See, this text begins in the context of anxiety. There's a lot of anxiety that we carry, and Jesus points out that a lot of this anxiety is produced through possessions, through that desire just a little bit more. I got to get all this stuff figured out. I got to have all of these things under control. And your father is telling you today you can be free of this. Because realize, this was never a pressure that I put on you. It was that which you put on yourself. Today, if you've heard the word of the Lord and would say, it's time for me to take a big step forward and realize that all that I've been given is His. And there are opportunities out there for me to minister, for me to make a difference, for me to be used of God but I have not made myself available. Young man, young woman, older man, older woman, if that's you in response to God, nobody else is looking around at this time, I want to encourage you just to lift up your hand. You're just lifting up your hand as a sign that I hear the Lord this morning. Yes, thank you. Yes, 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 yes. Across this room, people are saying, yes, we hear that you're speaking to us and we're done talking about it, it's time for us to take a step forward.
and change. So Lord, you are the God of transformation. You are the God of power. And when we open up ourselves, when we sell material ownership, there is an opportunity for spiritual power. (coughs) And now we invite your Holy Spirit to come into this place, to come into our hearts, to invade our minds, invade our thought patterns, invade the decisions that we make, invade the discussions that we have, those moments when we're tempted to be negative because it just doesn't feel like things are going right or people don't understand, that instead your power and anointing would bring forth life and opportunity, that you would give us the salve to put on our eyes, that we would see what you're calling us to today, and we wouldn't be so consumed with the everyday contempt, uh, Lord, that we have with feeling as if we don't have enough. Lord, you are a God that wants to bring life and power. And as the church of Jesus Christ, may our hands be free to receive from you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.